the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. We're looking at some modern lessons from an ancient land. I'm taking you with me on a trip to Israel. We're looking at various places, but more importantly, looking at some important lessons. I want to talk to you today about navigating life's problems and challenges. All of us have problems and challenges in life. We're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to talk to you about what we do when pressure comes our way. We're going to go to Gideon Springs where Gideon experienced a promise of God for his life. Then we're going to get on a boat and we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee and talk about how to handle storms of life when they come your way. So let's get ready for a journey together and the lessons that God will give us as we talk about navigating life's problems and challenges. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink of it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them again, left them, and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This story obviously takes place in uh, following the Last Supper. The Last Supper, Jesus was with his disciples. They had a meal together. It was the place where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It was a place where uh, Jesus had spoken to Peter and said, Peter, you're going going to deny me. And Peter denied that he was going to deny deny Christ. It was the moment when the betrayer had happened there where Judas had uh, left the room uh, being uh, heading toward uh, the selling of Jesus out to the officials. So all of this happens. He comes to Gethsemane after this. And when he arrives here in this place, he brings with him, he brings all of his disciples here, but he brings three of his disciples closer in with him. See, Jesus ministered to the multitudes. He often then would minister to 70. And then he had the 12 that were closest around him. And then out of the 12, there were three, Peter, James, and John, that you find with him in the most intimate relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus invited Peter, James, and John with him into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, I want you guys to stay here. Just imagine it. Uh, this on an evening time, and it's right before Passover. And he says, I want you to stay right here. I'm going to go a little farther away. I'm going to pray. 
And of course, he does that. We all know his prayer. What was his prayer? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the Bible says that when Jesus was praying here in this garden, we don't know exactly where. There's some tradition that uh, there's a rock over by the church at the church where Jesus perhaps would have prayed. And we'll have the opportunity of walking there in a few moments if you haven't seen it already. Uh, But that represents a potential rock where Jesus prayed. But wherever it was in this garden area, it was somewhere right around here that Jesus would have knelt down and began to pray. The Bible says that he prayed so fervently uh, that sweat, his blood became, his sweat became like blood. What I want you to see there is that there was great pressure that Jesus was experiencing. Tremendous pressure. And he goes to the Father three times and says, Father, if you be your will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus was going to prayer motivated by pressure, okay? Now, in all of our lives, there are times that we have great pressure, correct? Okay. Maybe you have some pressure in your life right now, some things that are pressing in upon you. Jesus, think about the, the, the reality of what he was going to face on the cross was beginning to weigh heavy upon him. But Jesus' response to pressure was prayer, okay? Jesus' response to pressure was prayer. And he prayed a very specific prayer, Father, if it be your will, I'd like to get out of this, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So there was this prayer of surrender, this prayer of submission of Jesus' will to the will of the Father, realizing that the Father was going to bring him through this uh, with ultimate good and with ultimate blessing. So he surrendered his will to God. Now, it's interesting that Jesus prayed three times. Because when you study the process of the pressing of, olive, uh, of olives, there is a threefold pressing of olives. That is, they, they never generally press olives without a threefold process. And that represents the completion of the pressure process that produces the oil. And so out of this Pray, out of this pressure came prayer that produced something precious. It produced the anointing of God upon Jesus' life for the fulfillment of God's plan for his life as Savior of the world. And what I want you to think of in your own life that is when you're going through pressure, if you'll turn your pressure into prayer, there'll be some sweet oil that will eventually come out of you, okay, that would never come out of you any other way. Amen? Okay? Sometimes it's only through the pressures of life that it drives you to your knees in prayer. And then when you get on your knees in prayer, God is able to press into you and out of you and through you an oil that can only come out of those situations. I think that many of us could testify about times in our lives when we've gone through pressure situations. And the only thing we even knew to do to get us through those times was to go to God in prayer. And then you look back on it later and you see the precious oil that God brought out of those things. Even the toughest things that you walk through, God says, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so really what I want to remind you of here in the Garden of Gethsemane is the idea of always take your pressure and turn your pressures into prayer. Because when you turn your pressures into prayer, there is the pressing of God's Holy Spirit in and through your life. And there is an oil that comes. There's, a, there's something that lubricates, if you will, your life, that brings a sweetness to your life, that brings a productivity to your life. See, the olive brings about its greatest oil by going through the pressure process.
Pastor Joe, we're here in Gideon Springs, and um, can you talk a little bit about just the promises of God that God has for us? Yeah. The place we're sitting really is a wonderful place. We're really, uh, uh, God brought, through Gideon, brought the men down to drink of the water, determine who was going to go into the battle, and the men that did it drank the, the right way from the water were, were set apart. But what the backdrop of that story is a lot of people maybe don't realize was the fact that God had given Gideon some promises about mm-hmm. battling the Midianites who were coming against wow. uh, Israel at that time. And the promise was, the Lord is my peace. He was reminded of the fact that God was the peace, that whatever he went through, that God was going to be there in peace and victory for him. So I think many times, Steve, what we need to realize in life is that when we're going into things, it's always better to go into it with a promise of God. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're facing in life, it's great to, to have a promise yeah. that you're carrying with you That's into good. your day, into your week, into your future. That's good. Can you talk a little bit about how we can um, do a better job of getting to know the promises of God for our life? Yeah. The Bible is filled with promises. Uh, Anytime you read a promise, uh, read something that rings with, the Lord is my refuge and strength, that Mm -hmm. the Lord is, that's a promise that God gives you. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That will is a promise. Uh, Many times you just see... uh, you know, uh, I, can, I can do all things through Christ right. who gives me strength. Right. That is a promise that we hold on to. So anytime there's a declarative statement of what God will do for us, it's just like when I say, hey, Steve, uh, I'm going to buy you, you know, a, a Coke. I'm going to buy you uh, your, your lunch, okay? That's a promise. I will do this That's for right. you. And so as you read through Scripture, what you want to do is look for those passages where God is saying, this is what I will do for yeah. you. And the I wills, I shalls, I have, those are the promises yeah. Can of you God. talk about, like, how, how we can connect our faith to those promises because yes. I think sometimes we know the promises we've read them yes but then we want to we want to be able to apply you know that promise to our life right well, promises are always only as good as the person making them wow. you know if, wow. if you make a promise to me and you're not and, and you're not reliable okay then I can't count on it and that's where it all starts with God that when God makes a promise to us we have the we, we have the assurance that we actually are serving a God who, is, who has reliability, yeah. that God never tells you something that he doesn't do. So that's where it begins. And so then you take that promise and you claim it. It's just like, uh, like, like uh, I'm going to talk about this as a part of the teaching. It's like a, a check that's written out to you and how you endorse that check and say, this is for me and for my life, and then utilize your faith. For example, uh, whenever you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, yeah. John three sixteen, for God yeah. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that yeah. whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice the promise, whoever believes in me shall not perish, yeah. but have everlasting life. There was a day in my life I said, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I claim that. Yeah. That's for me. Yeah. Whoever believes in me, that's me. And yeah. so I claim that and now it becomes mine. And with that faith, the promise of God is activated. That's and great. then the power of God is released. See, for Gideon, it started with the promise, but the promise led to the power. The same uh, is true in our lives wow. as well. So we can be fully confident in the promise because of who the promise came from. Absolutely. Awesome. And with the promise will always come the power. Fantastic. Early in the morning, Jerob, Baal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So twenty-two thousand men left, while ten thousand remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, This one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, 
This one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank with cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the three hundred, who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So what I want you to see here is here in this moment, God brings Gideon here to this place. If it was not exactly here, we think this is pretty much the original site, okay? It's one of those places in Israel that a lot of people would say that this is the place. Well, you know, rivers and streams may change a little bit over the years, but we're very close to the place that this happened. And so God says, I want to bring you here and I want to thin down your army because there are far too many of you to go against the Midianites, not because what will happen is that you'll fight the battle and you'll take the credit for it, okay? I mean, sometimes we take credit for stuff that God did for us, all right? And so we get all big head about it. We think we did something, and God says, I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to you, and so I'm going to thin down your crowd down to 300. Now, there would have been thousands of Midianites against 300 of Gideon and his army. And so God was going to show him there in that moment, show Gideon and all the others the degree of his power. And so if you read on in the story, you realize how it happened, how God used the, the process of some, uh, some, some lanterns that were used and how they broke the lanterns and the light spread in a significant way, getting heaven divided his army into groups of 100. And so the Midianites actually thought there were far more men than there really were, but actually there were only 300 and they had this massive, amazing victory. So a couple of things that I want to just leave you with today, and then you'll have some time just to sort of hang out in the site just for a few moments. First of all, the backdrop of this is the story of Gideon being called by God at a place where he had been experiencing massive fear. And there in that moment when God called him, God revealed one of his names to Gideon. And one of those names of God is Jehovah Shalom. Say that with me. Jehovah Shalom. God showed Gideon that day, I am the Lord who is your peace, okay? And so Gideon had an awareness that whatever he was going into, he was going into it with Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Jehovah who is Shalom. And so it was that backdrop of the peace of God that when God said, how many you know that when God says you got too many, I'm not thinking I don't have too many, I need more, okay? But when God says you've got too many, then you're able to handle that because you already know that who is with you. The Lord who is peace is already with you. So he had that backdrop. And this is what you and I need to remember, that as you walk through life, you need to hold on to the promises of God, okay? Because it's the promises of God that'll get you through the battles of your life, okay? God's promises are things that you need to know and hold on to. So, so Gideon had that promise of God that he is Jehovah Shalom. And so when God told him, thin down your army, he knew that still everything was going to be okay. Because with the peace of God, there was the awareness that God would not only come in peace, but God would also come in power. And so my encouragement to you today is that you will become very, very familiar in your life with the promises of God. They're not just meant to be known. They're meant to be claimed. Think about a promise of God. It's like a check that God has written you. And he's saying, here's a check. I've written it out in your name. Here's a promise. But you have to, when you have a check, 
Back in the old days, most of us don't do this with checks any longer, but back in the old days with a check, you took it to the bank or someplace to get it cashed, and you actually had to do something. What did you have to do? You had to endorse the check, okay? You had to sign it. So the money did not become yours until you endorsed it. And so think of the promises of God that way, that God's promises given to you are like a check, that God says, here's what I want to do in your life. Now I want you to add your faith to it, okay? You endorse it. You put your name on it. And when you put your name on it, it's cast for reality in your life. So Gideon lived in the promise. Let me encourage you to live in the promise of God as well. Amen? That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. As I said, I want to talk to you just for a couple of moments about how do you navigate the storms of life. And one of the things that we realize in life is that life always, from time to time, will send you a storm. It's just a part of life experiences. There are times of things that happen that you didn't anticipate happening. There are things that you're dealing with in life that you realize, where did that come from? And this is exactly what was going on with the disciples on the boat that night. There was this moment where this furious squall, this sort of storm came upon them. And from what I understand about the Sea of Galilee, uh, the storms can come up fairly quickly here without any kind of uh, really notice. It just sort of happens because of the way the sea is uh, the, situated with the mountains around and the way the currents work here in terms of wind currents and so forth. And so it would have been very easy for this storm to have happened without any kind of expectation. And I, I've learned in life, and I'm sure that you've learned as well, that sometimes the storms of life happen suddenly. You didn't realize they were coming. Just all of a sudden, boom, there they are. and You're having to deal with something that otherwise you would not have had to deal with. So it's really upon you in a moment and season of time. And that's really what happened for the disciples. And in the midst of this situation, what we normally experience is a common human emotion called fear. And that's something we all experience. We all have these moments as things happen. We look and say, what's going to happen? How will we handle this? What if this happens? What if that happens? And the fear begins to feed itself. Have you noticed how fear feeds itself? Once it gets started, it just it's sort of like an unraveling thread on the sweater. You begin to pull, and then there's always more and more and more. And when fear gets started, it's kind of a never-ending process when you go down the pathway of fear. And so the disciples were facing that that night. They were afraid. They, are we going to make it to the other side? Now, where was Jesus all the time? Where was he? He was in the boat with them, okay? And they had forgotten who was in the boat with them, okay? And Jesus, the, the you, know, you often ask, why was Jesus sleeping? Well, he was human, so he was tired, okay? He was fully God, fully man, and so he was taking a nap. But I, one of the other things I think that we need to realize is that the things that bother us never bother Jesus, okay? 
the things that bother us never trouble him. And so there was never a moment that Jesus woke up in a panic saying, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We've got a storm going on. So it was not bothering Jesus. He had the capacity to rest in the midst of the storm. The disciples didn't because they are human beings just like you and me. And so because we are human, we have a hard time resting in the midst of a storm. But there when they awakened Jesus in that moment, they asked them, don't you care that we're about to drown? How many of that was a dumb question, right? Okay. That was not the smartest question in town because, of course, Jesus cared. But they are still in the midst of their fear wondering, does Jesus really care about me? And that's one of the questions that will oftentimes come up when you're going through a storm in life. Where is God? Is God around anywhere? Does God even care about what I'm going through? Let's just be a little honest here this morning. Let's be fully honest here this morning, all right? How many of you have had a moment before in your life where you say, God, where are you and do you care about me? Come on, raise your hand and tell the truth this morning, all right? We've all had those moments. God, where are you and do you really care about me? And the disciples experienced that as well. And of course, what happened was in the midst of this situation, Jesus rose from his sleep And he said, why are you so afraid? You need to have faith. So the antidote for fear is what? Faith. Exactly right. So Jesus said, don't let fear take over in your life. What you do is you battle fear with faith. And so the antidote to fear in your life is always the exercising of faith. And Jesus rose up and did something there in that moment. He rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, be still And there was a peace that came over the Sea of Galilee. The storm that had been uh, raging suddenly went away. That word suddenly is important. Because when Jesus said, peace be still, when he spoke peace to the storm, peace is not just an emotion you experience. Peace is more than an emotion. Peace is when God steps in and changes a circumstance. Because what Jesus did, he said, peace be still. The actual original uh, Greek language there for be still... Uh, One translation says, be quiet. He spoke to the wind and said, and the waves said, be quiet or be still. And the actual literal meaning of that phrase in the Greek language is put a muzzle on it. Okay. In other words, you've seen dogs that had to be muzzled before. What happens with a dog when there's something that actually is shut down, there's something that stops, something that changes. And so what I want to share with you today and just something that I want to leave with you as a part of this experience, we're talking about navigating life's problems and challenges, that storms are going to come up in your life. That's just reality, okay? We live life, we face storms, sometimes they're sudden when they come our way, but in the midst of it, the natural human reaction is going to be fear, but you don't have to stay there. That's the good news, okay? You can have fear, but you don't have to live there, right? You just visit it for a moment, and then you send faith to deal with the fear, right? And then you realize that Jesus never left your boat. Isn't that good to know, okay? Even though you may feel like he left your boat, you may feel like he's asleep and not paying attention, always remember that if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, Jesus is already in your boat. He never leaves your boat. He's always there with you. And that in the midst of it, you don't have to fix the storm. Jesus fixes the storm, okay? Because I I can't calm wind and waves. How about you, okay? But Jesus can, and he's the one that you turn to in those moments. And he doesn't just give you a good feeling on the inside. That's great. It's great to have a good feeling on the inside. But Jesus doesn't just give you a good feeling on the inside. He actually does things that change his circumstances. And so I would ask you this, this, this day, as you think about your own life, what storms are you navigating in your life right now? What are the storms in your life right now? And what, are, what, what information 
are the, is, is those storms giving you in terms of fear? What's making you afraid in your life right now? What I want us to do in the next few moments is to bring our storms to Jesus. And I want you, as we're sitting on the Sea of Galilee, to just hear Jesus speak to your storm and say to you today, peace be still. In other words, to your storm, Jesus is going to say to you today, put a muzzle on it, okay? I'm going to change this. I'm going to transform things. In fact, I believe that while we are right here, and while I'm sharing these words with you today, that whatever it is that's going on in your life, maybe here in your heart, maybe back home, maybe wherever you are today in your life, that I believe that in this moment as we pray together that Jesus can bring a calm to your storm and change your circumstance. I believe that miracles can happen because we're on a sea that witnessed a lot of miracles. I think we need to trust God for some miracles in our lives today. Amen? Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.